Welcome back to Front Runner Podcast. My name is James Bowen, and today we have Ellie Wu, who is the Senior Director of Customer Experience Transformation at SAP Concord. Ellie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, James. Ellie, there's so much going on out there in terms of marketing and sales and where the world is going, and part of that is driven by the new sources or, or perhaps the of data and perhaps also the new ways of doing analytics on data. And from what I've seen is that we tend to have three different sources of data that we can rely on. We might have the traditional approach from marketing of doing customer surveys, focus groups, questionnaires to derive what it is that customers want prior to the development and the launch of a new product or service. So we do all of that work and then we use that to not only design the marketing campaign, but as well as perhaps the product and service themselves. Another approach that we're seeing out there very much in the startup world is a, a learn as you do or an evolutionary approach where we develop a piece of software, put it online, and then observe how it is people use it. Who is it that's willing to pay for what features and then evolve the software? And by taking a look at who it is that's using it and who's willing to pay for it, we get an idea of customer segmentation. We understand that perhaps more people in this industry versus that industry are interested in it. And the third way of gathering data out there is from the Internet of Things as we move into the Internet of Things world and we can have this real kind of data source so we can take a look at how people are using their toasters with the uh, connection that they, the toaster might have to the internet. We might look at uh, how many pieces of toast that they do, whether they use their toaster more in the morning. Perhaps they also use it in the evening, which tells us that they're using some kind of recipe that calls for toast. And by having that real-time data, we can move away from segmentation based on demographics and segmentation based on behavioral or usage of data. And from your perspective, Ellie, with those three kinds of different data gathering techniques, each one of them would, have, would perhaps use different uh, analytical approaches to understand those different kinds of data. From your approach, sorry, from your perspective out there at, at uh, SAP uh, Concor, what is it that you're seeing? Are there any issues with these current approaches? That yeah, so when we think about the different approaches, and what's interesting is I have my work that I do at SAP Concur. I also do um, community work, um, such as my involvement with TEDx Seattle, and you're, you're speaking to a community of a larger swath of folks, not just necessarily tech, or whether it's startups that I'm seeing where they're running at different problems in different ways. And so kind of when you think about the question of, you know, what's the best way to approach something, the, it could be any one of these three or a mixture of these three. The danger that I've seen folks getting into and where it negatively impacts a customer experience is where somebody thinks, oh, I've seen this cool thing that happens in this one niche. And they try to take that and just go rogue with it without the appropriate context. So the context around each one of these for what's the problem you're really looking to solve from an experience perspective, if you let that guide kind of how you use these different ways of collecting data, that can mitigate a lot of the larger missteps that companies tend to make. 
want to go back to that uh, comment that you said about using the results from one maybe data collection technique or one analytical result into a different type of segment. And traditionally in statistics, we would call that um, maybe a sampling issue where we would have a, a sample of a population and we would draw inferences of it. And one of the mistakes that we can run across is, of course, whether that sample is, is a representative of another portion of the population or the population as a whole. So mm -hmm. I, I certainly get what you're saying there around using the results from one approach that may not hold for another. But is there anything around the uh, data collection techniques that could be extrapolated to different segments? We may have a problem that we're trying to identify. We use uh, some kind of data gathering approach. Have you seen maybe attributes of the, the problem description or the, the data gathering or the analytics approach, which are red flags and tell us that maybe we may misuse the results in if we're looking at another kind of sample? Yeah, so when we think about the data and how data has evolved, specifically from a what our customers expect from us perspective, it's because it used to be good enough to do segments, right? So we speak to things like the learn as you do and you start looking at the segmentation of what people are doing and how they may be using your product or service a bit differently. And that leads to segmentation or, you know, the other term a lot of folks may have heard are personas. Now, that was fine, I think, at one point. But what we're seeing now because of how available and accessible data on each of us can be, the expectation is now no longer can I fit into a persona? It's the expectation is now personalization, right? So that is something when we think about the data, it's not just what somebody's doing, but then also finding explanation for why they're doing that. Um, because what somebody is doing, for example, if I'm calling to, let's say, um, purchase some vitamins, right? It could be that um, I'm getting ready for flu season. Or it could also be that I have some larger medical issue that, you know, maybe I need to be connected with another community or resources to learn more about what that's what I need to prepare for. And so when we think about the actions people take, the explanation for why that requires additional data and for us to look at not just one point, so surveys can collect a certain amount of information, but there's that additional context for you know, we are now trying to service people who aren't always in the room with us when we are designing the solution. I, I get what you're saying with that why concept, that cause and effect. I can imagine someone going online to buy, let's say, child's toys, and are they buying it for themselves? Are they buying it for one of their own offspring? Are they right. buying it for a friend? Uh, you know, maybe some relative that now has, has a newborn or uh, has adopted a child. And understanding why it is that they're buying would be quite interesting because I can imagine if they're buying it for somebody who's not closely related to them, that's going to impact the choice of the toy as well as the cost, as well as mm -hmm. whether they're going to buy any follow-on toys. Yes. And, you know, that's a great example because I took my nieces to an American girl store to, for tea time as a special treat. 
I'm still trying to figure out how to get off of this American Girls catalog because I get this in the mail and it's something that I have to recycle and I, I don't like to misuse paper, right? And so if they knew that about me, they would also know that this is this could be something that pushes me more away from the brand than brings me closer. Ah, yes. If you're just going there on a one-time experience and for them to assume that you're now going to be a regular customer there can be somewhat annoying. <laughs> Yes, and I think all of us have had different experience with that, where especially as we're going into the holidays, now it's you you remember, oh, these are all the different catalogs I'm going to get because I bought somebody a gift from here well, once. Understanding as well, if uh, we're looking at customer data, you know, the retention rates, which you're, you're alluding to there of, of a customer and understanding, because traditionally, if we looked at retention rates, we would make an assumption that somebody may not be buying from us as frequently as they used to or they could, and that may be because they're moving to a different life segment, uh, stage of their life cycle, or they're moving to a customer product. But as you're alluding to, there may be other reasons. It may be that they're simply doing a one-time or an infrequent purchase on behalf of others. So, so understanding the why behind it is, uh, is a really cool idea. How do we do that, though? From what you're looking at, you're, you're in charge of the customer experience transformation. How do we do that? How do we get to the why from the different kinds of data and analytics that we have? Is there new tools out there or is there new directions in terms of data that we should be looking at? Yeah, so um, I think that we need to look at it in a couple of different facets, right? Technology is important, but too often, especially when you're in technology, you look to this technology to solve a problem where I think companies, if we take a step back and look at our competencies of how we're collecting the data before we start you know, implementing or automating and exacerbating some of the issues we more, may already have before we've got our competencies in line, um, things like, you know, what's the... What is it that I'm trying to solve for? And am I collecting data for the sake of collecting data? Or have I already got a plan of what I'm going to do with my data? Am I trying to use this to predict a behavior? Am I trying to use this to personalize so that way my customers feel like I get what they're looking at and build that relationship in that way? Or is this something that I need to collect so that I can alert somebody within the ecosystem of our company based on the data that I'm seeing? Or is this something that I need my customer to see so that way it provides them additional value? So there's all these different ways to use the data and companies need to have a holistic view of understanding how do we work with our customers to get this data so that it doesn't feel like each team is just tapping into the customer as a data resource because that's going to annoy our customers as well, right? If we're getting all these different surveys from all these different areas from the same company sometimes, it can feel like, are you trying to do this to my benefit or is it really like what's in it for you? And we have to always remember that the companies that win, we focus on what's in it for the customer, right? Even the folks who disrupt the technology, yes, that was important, but it was really solving a problem or understanding that experience that really disrupted, right? So if we think about what Apple did to the CD, it's because they realized we don't really care about the physical CD. It's that experience or that moment, like I just want to have that song to play on that drive or you know, that song gives me a specific feeling and I'm connecting with that experience, not the product and not necessarily the technology, but getting to solve that problem more easily and quickly 
in that way than any other way. Ellie, one of the arguments that I've heard for collecting all possible data is, is twofold. One is that customers evolve over time as they go through their uh, life. They have different interests at different points in their life. And perhaps as one need is satisfied, they move on to something else. The other one is that the company itself needs to evolve its products and services and therefore the argument is sometimes that we should collect as much data as we can because we may use it later we may need it later but at this point in time since we don't know exactly what we might need later well we should collect everything and from based on what you're saying is that we really should be taking a, an inverse look at that and focus more on what the customer's experience is but Correct me if I'm wrong. That seems to be more focused, as you say, on the moment. How do we how do we balance that long term view that the data uh, might give us, and and the rationale for collecting everything versus the customer experience side? Yeah. So I think that it's more of how you do something, right? Not necessarily always what you're doing, but how you're doing it may matter just as much, if not more, right? And uh, that goes for so many things, even when you have to tell somebody no. So when we think about the data that you're collecting, what what's the trade-off, right? And is that juice worth the squeeze? So yes, there may be a million things that you could collect, but let's just think about it from a perspective of, I don't think you have to sacrifice experience for data collection. And you know, even though it's not a positive example, but think about what Google and Facebook have done in as far as collecting massive amounts of data on all of us without making any of us feel like we are being tapped constantly for the data. They do it in a way that's, um, you know, a little bit kind of below the surface, right? So when you think about it from that perspective, but doing it in um, in a way that doesn't hurt your relationship or trust with your customers and helping them understand what we're doing with the data. I think there's a way to navigate that. So if they understand this is what you're doing with my data and this is why you're asking me for this information now, that that has to be built on a certain level of trust, you know, throughout your engagement with the customer. Otherwise, um, you know, if you just keep coming back to collect more and more data, that's why we see, you know, rates for surveys dropping. Right. Um, that's why you may see people not really being engaged with you if you say who wants to participate in a focus group. So that's a, that's a balance I think you need to take and make sure that it's worth it and worth your customer's time. How do we create that trust in with the customer? I, I certainly see how that would be very beneficial in that as the customer's needs evolve and the company can go along with them and ask for data that's applicable at that point in their decision-making or their life cycle. How do we create trust? Trust to me suggests a pattern of behavior over time. So there's that time element of it. And the, and the pattern of behavior is both words or, or what their concepts are as well as their actions that they've taken. Do you have any suggestions for companies of how do they create that trust environment so that the customer is comfortable with giving out new sets of data as they evolve into new requirements or new parts of their life? Yeah, so the whole idea of trust, it's its a bit nuanced, right, with anything that's valuable and, and worthwhile. So when you think about the trust, um, something that one of my favorite experts on trust talks about, um, her name's Rachel Botsman, and when you think about that whole focus of trust, 
it's somebody trusts you to do something. It's not a blanket trust, right? And so when you break down things like, um, let's say, Amazon, Facebook, and Tesla, and if you look at these as brands and you ask people, who do you trust, right? They may look at the brand as something very specific. And then if you look at their leadership, then let's say Amazon, for example, and Jeff Bezos, somebody may trust Jeff Bezos less than they would trust Amazon as a brand. But what do we trust Amazon to do? We trust them to deliver our packages. But have we gotten to the level of trust to let them into our home? Probably not. I know I'm not there yet. And so when we think about how you build trust, it's what are you getting people to trust you to do? And beyond that, how do you get the them to take leaps with you because that's ultimately what you're asking people to do is come with me into a space that's not familiar or known for you and you're trusting me to help you navigate that and so from a technology perspective our customers come to us to make sure that we are helping them stay on the cutting edge of solving problems right that we're able to look at this in a way that they haven't thought about it before and going back to amazon as you know an example we trust them because they helped us find a way where we don't have to go from store to store looking for something and they helped us find a way where we don't even have to stand in line anymore because we've all had those frustrating experiences where you're, you're, you finally found what you needed and now you've got 10 registers open and yet just two people running these registers. And so when you think about trust, it is it is earned really in each one of these moments built up over time and thinking about how often you need to tap into that because when things don't go well, can your customers then trust you to fix it, to make it better, to help them through it? It's not that they trust you to be perfect, right? But can they trust you to be there? And part of that, of course, is uh, issue resolution. If there's an issue that needs to be resolved, uh, whether the company, the organization responds quickly and in in a satisfactory way. In traditional marketing, it's often been said that when an issue arises, it's an opportunity for the company to move a person's expectation. So when an issue arises, they have a certain level of expectation of the company. They're maybe going into an anxiety phase of how this issue is going to be resolved. And, and that's an opportunity for a company to actually um, move the customer to a higher level of satisfaction and pretty much everyone has probably had experiences in that direction with some of those well-known companies of something that didn't go well, but it was resolved in a way that turned out so that the individual felt they actually got a better situation. They actually uh, were in a better position after the issue arose. For example, you know, Amazon delivers the wrong package and they uh, maybe allow the person to keep the 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 product as well as ship the new correct version of the product and no no additional cost. Right, or if we even think about Costco, I, I've seen people bring ridiculous things back to Costco, like half-eaten cakes, um, and Costco takes it, right? But that's also part of the relationship and trust they built with their customers. I'll have to remember that next time I have some cake. Yeah, you, you should definitely take a look. Um, you know, that whole idea of people watching, if you're able to take a look at what's in the return line, that can, that can be pretty insightful. Wow. I didn't realize they would do that. Yeah, I wonder where the, wonder where the uh, cutoff point is, is half the cake, three quarters, two thirds. If I just come back with one piece. Uh, yeah, all kinds of thoughts. Well, back in the day when I was working at Nordstrom, the way that they trained and the expectations that they set for employees was, you know, it's um, it's your job to make the customer happy, 
right? Um, and of course, I always go back to it has to be nuanced, right? Within within reason, but certain organizations, this is what they stake their brand on. So it would be um, if you ever make a customer unhappy, you have to justify that. But as long as the customer's happy, you're okay as an employee, right? And so that was kind of the expectations they set. And when we think about the overall experience and these attitudes people have about these brands, it really is based on the behaviors of the employees, right? And what's the perception that the behaviors and the attitudes around all of this driving the customer's experience. And I love that you brought up the point about expectations because even the idea of expectations, it's something we need to work with our teams to understand. Setting expectations isn't enough, right? And when we think about the data and all of those other pieces, how does that help maybe raise some of the potential implicit expectations or the questions we need to ask our customers so that we're not just telling them here, we're setting the expectation and that's all I need to do, but also taking that next step to try to understand what are some of your implicit expectations, right? Because when somebody asks you to try to understand more about where you're coming from or more about what you're trying to solve for, that's where relationships and trust can be built. That's an interesting perspective on the uh, expectations around the data collection. I would, as a customer, I would expect that if somebody comes to me and asks for my experience or my behavioral usage of a product or service, that they're going to use that information to provide something better, maybe something better at the same price or something that's more attuned to what it is I want, rather than just simply as an opportunity to sell more. So that it's an interesting connection between data collection and a setting right. of expectations. Yeah, and a good way that that could be used, for example, if let's say I was Target and there was somebody that wanted to return a box of diapers and you know it was past the return date. But I also noticed based on their buying trends, right, that they probably have a newborn baby at home and they might not even know what day it is, right? And so extending that understanding Think about how far that could go from a customer loyalty perspective. If you were to say, look, I, I see, you know, is this, is this for your new baby? And if they were to say yes, you can say, you know, I could understand how you might have not been keeping track of when the receipt date was. Right. Ellie, thank you very much for joining us today. Do you have any takeaways or um, particular items for our listeners? Yeah, I would say that I'm very encouraged by this fascination that a lot of folks are developing around customers, right? We hear customer first, customer focused, customer centric. Um, and just to be mindful of that doesn't mean we all of a sudden turn our attention and just overwhelm our customers, but to be thoughtful of how we're using the data and also that to remember data doesn't replace conversations, it informs conversations. Ah, cool takeaway data and conversations. Hi, thank you very much for joining us today, Ellie, on uh, Front Runner Podcast. Thank you, James. 